0: All right, um, so last week we talked about, this is what I do at Youth Group, what did we talk about last week, and no one uh, Jesus? Um, we talked about planning, when Jesus talks about the seeds that are scattered, the word of God, and we talked about the three things that can happen, all right, should we do it? No, I'll tell you. All right, so you got to hear it, then you got to hold it, and then you got to harvest it, and harvest it through perseverance. So you have to hear the word, you have to hold on to it, and then through perseverance, he says, you harvest a crop from it, okay? And um, so we're starting a series last week about kind of looking into the new year, hearing God, getting his vision for our lives, uh, setting goals, breaking through barriers, and so um, I can't remember the title of the series. Did you remember? We didn't title it yet? It is untitled. Because your future is untitled until you hear from God. Yeah, right there. That's what it's all about. Okay. So um, these guys are like, what are we doing? All right. (laughs) He said none of this in the email. Um, So uh, I'm going to share just a brief introduction from the Word. And then um, I've asked these guys to be preparing for the last, like, 48 hours what God's going to share today through them. and. Uh, Sometimes it's great just to get other people's voices up here um, so that I have to prepare less, basically. Um, No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. There you go. Uh, Because I think that, you know, one of the things we love about this group is that there's so much maturity and wisdom in this group, and it's great to hear from each other. So... so we're going to take the last step here at Hold at Harvest. It. We're going to look at the last step a little bit tonight of persevering till we see the harvest. And um, I don't know if you remember the, the Habakkuk passage we read where he said, you know, you get the word of God, write it out. Um, you know, put it so that people can run with it. But like don't give up because it might take a while is basically how it ends. And God gave me a few verses to kind of set the stage for this morning, or this evening. Um, the first one's is Philippians 1, 1.3. Paul's writing says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you always, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Gospel. Um, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so, um, that's the question I have, the overarching question for tonight is that God is a finisher of the things he starts, are we? God is, the, is a finisher of the things that he starts, are we? Do we finish those things? And um." So sometimes, without me planning it, stories happen in my life that line up with my teaching. And I just realized it while I was drumming, that last night, something happened in my life that is, that is about this, okay? So um, without going into great detail, I'm currently obsessed with figuring out how to get free HDTV through an antenna. And I have spent about Uh, 10 hours emailing and texting Joe, um, about 20 hours researching online, and about 15 hours on my roof, okay? And um, God's like, strong story. Um, And uh, so yesterday, I've been waiting, this thing, this antenna thing came like a week ago, but there's just been no time, like, it's just been no time to like really work on it and get on the roof, and by the time I get like some free time, it's been dark, all week long. And I've just, it's one of those things I carry that no one else cares about. Okay. But I carry it and every, I'm thinking about it obsessively. Like, when am I going to get this done? And so I said, Mandy, I want some time Saturday to work on it. So I had like an hour and a half that I got to work on it in the morning. And I spent most of that time fixing something else, unfortunately. And and then the rest of the time planning it. And I was like, you know, running wires, seeing if the wire's long enough. And like, for me, when I do a project, I spend a lot of time thinking about it and thinking about it. I went on a run, actually, to think some more about it. Thinking, like, what are the best ways that I could run the wire? What's the most strategic way to do this? And by the time I was ready to do it, I was out of time. And so we had, we had like, basketball games to go to and then dinner at Sharky's at house. And then, and then it was dark again. And I was like, man, I hate not completing what I start. And I really do. It actually makes me so grumpy. I don't know if you're like that, but... Do you hate when you start something and you don't get a chance to finish it? And so at 10 o'clock at night, I was like, forget it. I got a lot of lights outside. I'm going on the roof. And so I, I like put stuff in my pockets and I climbed up on the roof. I almost only fell one time. And so if you drove by my house at like 1145 last night, I was laying on the top, like straddling, you know, the triangle part at the top. What's that called? The gable. Um, is that right? peak, sure, triangle top, <laughs> and, uh, and hanging over my roof, screwing this thing into the side of the house, because gosh darn it, I was going to finish this project, and I was going to get it done, and then I was in my attic for half an hour, stringing things, and then, like, usually it's a two-man job, but I like tied the, tied like a hanger, you know, a straightened out hanger, you guys, you know what I'm talking about, right, to tape, duct taped it to the wire, shoved it down to get it to the next floor, I won't tell you how well it's working. That'll be for another teaching about discouragement and frustration. But, um, man, I'm sweating like a pig up here. Are you guys hot? Um, and I think that there is this drive in God to finish what he starts, that he He literally can't not finish it. And I don't think that we're always like that with the with words of God. I don't think I'm always like that with words of God, like I am with projects in the house. You know, I like... First of all, projects in the house usually have a definitive starting and ending, like you know when you're done. Sometimes with God, it's hard to feel that definitive ending, and it's hard to press on. But I read this verse this week that I thought would be really good, and then um, I promise you guys are going to get a chance to talk. 2 Corinthians 8, um, and, and he's talking to... Uh, this one particular group of churches about how they've been giving and they were really great at giving into, I think it's the Jerusalem offering. They were really good at doing it the year before. So listen, here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to even have the desire to do so. But now it's another year. He says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And I read that this week, and I thought, yes, that is it. That's what I run into all the time with things that God puts on my heart. Words of God, ideas from God, ministries he might put on my heart, or even small things like, like, you know, go pray for that person. I mean, this could be small to big, where I get the eager willingness, yes, God, I'm yours. I mean, how many times have you prayed that? God, do whatever you want to with my life. I'm yours, God. My life is in your hands, your will, not mine. The eager willingness is there, but the command of the word is match it with your ability to complete it. Finish the work. So it's not good enough to just be eager about it. It's not good enough to to be willing. We have to complete it, and that implies effort. That implies going from point A to point B. Like What does it take to get that word of God into the ground, taken care of, grow it up, Take care of it, nurture it, and then harvest it for the kingdom of God. So that's what I want to ask you guys. What does it take? Seriously, I'm going to ask you guys that. So here's, here's the question I wanted these guys to share about. If, if we were to come to you for advice, and God's given me this word, this revelation, this dream. Are you guys listening? No, I'm asking you a question. This is like what the whole thing's about. All right, uh, okay. So I was on my roof. <laughs> Do you want to turn it on? Um, so if I came to you for advice about a dream or revelation that God had given me, and I wanted to know, like, what do I, what do, I do to make this come to pass? Because maybe it seems too big. Or, um, Can you share some practical or spiritual steps to get me there? And, uh, like, the slate is clear. We've got, like, 20 minutes because we're going we're gonna to start dinner at 6.15. So I'd love to hear you guys. And we, if, it's, if your answers are short, I've got more questions. Okay. We can go and yeah.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. We can complete each other's sentences now. Um, Can you hear me? All right. So I think an important thing for me is that um, it's really important to structure my time. Otherwise, things just get left behind. Uh, As I get older, I notice that um, there's a lot of distractions in life. Um, You know, Christian is pretty much just telling you that he was getting distracted all day instead of doing the project that he really wanted to do because things come up. Right, which is also a distraction. Right actually being spiritual, but, you know. I was praying a lot on that roof. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I find it, um, well, there's two things that I do that have really helped me in the last, I'd say, 10 years or so. Um, First is that, as much as possible, I try to say no to things the first time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Christian hates it. (laughs) No (laughs) commitments. Um, Christian will ask me if I can do something. I'm like, no without even really reading what he wrote. And then uh, th- he'll ask me again, are you sure? Can you really do this? Because
0: I really need somebody. <laughs> so Because you're so good at it, and you're so valuable. That's what I say. Thank you. Okay. You're right. That's
1: it. Um, so you know, saying no the first time helps you put up a shield against basically all the distractions that come your way. And sometimes it's, you know, spiritual against your life to try to block you from actually doing anything legit with your life. But sometimes it's just that there's so much chaos in the world and so many things going on that you're bound to get wrapped up into someone else's problems or someone else's stuff and can take you away from being productive, whether it's a spiritual thing that you're trying to do or just get something done, saying no to everything else until you get what's your priority done is more important.
2: Um, That's good advice. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about two different biblical examples at when Christian sent that question, that his text, which is how Christian invites me to share, <laughs> he texts me. Um, there are two people in the Bible that I think about when I think about the process of sort of living out a calling and, and walking into a, a destiny or a dream. Um, one of them is Peter, and from the very beginning of his time with Jesus, I think that he had a sense of calling. As soon as Jesus met him, he gave him a new name and gave him a prophecy. And I think Peter spent his whole time with Jesus sort of trying to wrap his head around what he was called to. And I think he had a really deep sense of calling and a really passionate commitment to that calling even before he understood it. And I think one of the major keys for Peter was to allow Jesus to redefine what, how he understood that whole calling. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter is somebody that's easy to learn from because he made so many mistakes. And one of the most obvious ones was when Jesus was telling all the disciples, you know, you'll deny me before this night is over. And Peter said, no, I won't. You know, I'll stay with you even if I have to die for you. Well, it's less than one chapter later, depending on which gospel you're in, that he's denying that he even knows Jesus. And everybody, I think we get to point and laugh at Peter for being so fickle and saying one thing and doing the opposite. But in between the time when he vowed, you know, undying loyalty to Jesus and the time that he denied him, something really amazing happened, and I think we overlook that. Um, when the crowd came out to arrest Jesus, Peter was one of the few who was willing to take a stand and fight to the death for Jesus. Um, if you kind of piece together tidbits from the different Gospels, you can, there were two swords there. Peter had one of them. I don't know who had the other one, but when an armed crowd came, Peter whipped out the sword and he was ready to fight. I don't think he had any idea what he was doing with it. He probably tried to cut somebody's head off, and he missed and cut their ear off. His you know, sword play was obviously not his strength, but he was going to go for it anyway. And Jesus rebuked him. Jesus told him to stop. And then he healed the ear that Peter had cut off. And I think it was that had to be so confusing to Peter to, to think, you know, this is what I thought we were doing. I thought we were going to fight. I thought I was going to give my life for you. You're not letting me. You're undoing what I did. I don't know what to do anymore. And I think that Peter found a real brokenness and a real humility before Jesus reinstated him. And then he went on to live out a lifetime of loyalty and devotion to Jesus, and he did, in the end, die for God. Uh, But I think a lot of us, when we have a sense of calling and a sense of purpose, we assume what it's going to look like. And we make our own decisions about how to live it out and our own sort of ideas can grow and evolve in our head without much direction from God. So I think one of the major keys is to allow God to define in us what our sense of calling, what our purpose means. Um, the other person that really exemplifies this well is Joseph in the Old Testament. Um, he was the youngest son, and he had a dream from God of being the one in the family that everybody else bowed down to. And I, I can't even take credit for this whole Train of thought, this is all from Graham Cook. Actually, it's from the Bible, but. (laughs) Um, You know, when Joseph had that dream and that vision, he was excited about it. He was looking forward to it. And he totally blew it in the way that he told his family. Um, And the next thing he knew, you know, it was the people that he thought were going to bow down to him were selling him into slavery. You know, exactly the opposite of everything that he expected started happening. And it happened for most of his life, and it happened uh, repeatedly. You know, when he was sold into slavery, he worked his way up sort of through the ranks of slaves, which doesn't sound very glamorous or exciting, but he did. Um, And then he was cut down by false accusations and went to jail and in jail, gradually and slowly worked his way up through the ranks there, which also is not very glamorous or exciting. Um, And then he was forgotten for years and years. And it was such a long process, and I think part of that was obviously character building for him, and it was a time when God was working in him, probably some humility and some perspective. But part of it also, I think, was God's, that was part of God's calling to him. It wasn't just, you know, the vision God gave him and the dream that he had from God was one snapshot of a moment in time, and it did eventually come true, but I don't think that's what his life was meant to be all about. I think that along the way... You know, there was a journey and a process that God really used in the lives of countless other people. You know, he saved thousands of people's lives on the road to seeing his dream come true. And so for us, I think we need to understand that when God gives us a vision or a goal or a plan or whatever it is, it's not just about getting there. It's not just about accomplishing one specific thing. It's about the process and the people that we affect along the way. Um... There's a verse that I like that says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And that's two places in the Bible. One is in Ecclesiastes where it's just talking about you're alive. Be glad you're alive. It's better to be alive than dead. Um, So whatever you find to do, do it. And the other place is um, when Saul had received his prophecy that he would be king, Samuel told him, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And during the time in between the prophecy and when he became king, that was the word he was given. So I think... You know, we need to not wait around for God's calling to come true. We need to not wait around for God's, the dreams that he gives us to be fulfilled. We need to do life every day. And whatever we can, you know, whatever opportunities we have, we need to serve God in those moments.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so... You know personally, for me, I think this isn 't one of the ones I sent you. Sorry, um, but I think w- when you say like you know don 't wait around for this stuff to happen um, and in the meantime, do what God brings to you and that's and, and then like life does get full like besides i, I guess i 'm feeling like sometimes you can forget those things, you can forget like that that first like excitement and that first drive that really got you going, got you you know excited and it can, it can almost fade, and I think that I can get focused on those, you know, those things that are at my hand instead of some of the things that are, like, you know, the higher things that God might be calling us to. So, like, how do you, you know, like, what would you say? How do you get and stay in touch with those? I mean, I think that Joseph, along the way, I mean, I don't know what Joseph knew about what God was going to do with him, so, I mean, you can't, I can't force that story into what I'm asking, but You know, how do you keep those longer, bigger visions that you have alive in the midst of doing what comes to you? I think
1: it's really the human condition, right? You know, we're struggling against what it is that we want to do versus what we should do or must do. Um, I think probably one of our, well, one of my biggest mistakes, um, has been waiting for passion before taking action, um. You know, my thoughts, especially when I was, you know, like a teenager and uh, just getting into, like, my first jobs, I was like, all right, well, I need to find a job that I'm passionate about, right? I need to find an area in life where I can be passionate about this and make an impact. I need to find, you know, something that God calls me to do that I'm passionate about. Hmm. But I think it's actually reverse of that. We find our actual long-lasting passion from being down in the guts of the work that we're actually called to do. Um, you know, I, I, I know for me, like I spend a good 10 hours a day staring at a computer screen. I do pr- computer programming for, for a living. And, you know, if you had told me when I was like eight, you know, you're going to stare at a computer screen, basically like flashlights in your eyeballs all day. It doesn't sound all that appealing, right? Um, but you find the passion in your in your work. You find the passion in what God's called you to do, not because it's necessarily exciting day-to-day, but because it's meaningful, because what you're doing is um, challenging or rewarding in whatever way you're geared. You know, not everyone wants to stare at, you know, a computer screen. I understand that, but you have different jobs. You have different things that you enjoy doing, and I think God places, you know, essentially keys to your heart and your mind that, you know, you find that aren't necessarily, like, a strict calling on, um, like, an exact path that you should take. But along the way, you find things that you should do for a while, Um, things that are rewarding to you. And it sounds selfish, but why would God give us, you know, the desires that we have, the desires of our heart, so to speak, um, that are rewarding to us and Him, if he didn't expect us to you know work through those and walk walk through them, and clearly you don't follow through every desire, understand that. I think you're all smart enough to understand that, but um, you know God gives us the um, the keys, I, I think, to be passionate about whatever it is that we're actually involved in, um, rather than waiting for the passion to come seek it instead, rather than um, waiting for God to tell you you know, every little particular step about how your day should go, why don't you just go find a need and meet it? It's very simple whenever you reduce the gospel down to what Jesus was doing every day. He wasn't necessarily proclaiming his vast, grand vision. He was out there doing seemingly, ridiculously meaningless, small, tiny tidbits of his ministry every day. And as you accumulate these things over time, no matter how meaningless they may seem for, you know, the 10 minutes or hour that you did it that day, or if it's a day-to-day thing every, you know, eight hours that you put in at your job, you know, it builds up to a lot. You don't have to you know, sit there and think about the grand vision of your life all the time. Take, take
0: minor steps. That's all I do. Yeah. I just sit all day thinking about the grand vision of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you have something you want to say to that?
2: I think this is, in some ways, the other side of the coin is that there's a really practical way to sort of be strategic about whatever our plans and vision is. I think it takes a mindfulness and it takes planning to accomplish anything. Um, I had a little bit of an eye-opening experience around New Year's where I was thinking about making some resolutions and I thought, I wonder if I made my... Completed my 2015 resolutions. I had to look back in a journal to even see what they were. (laughs) And one of them I did, and the other I kind of almost did. (laughs) But, you know, we need to know what we're working on if we're going to accomplish it. So I wrote them down. That was a step in the right direction, but I didn't check back with it, which is an easy and simple thing to do to, to keep ourselves on track. So I wrote down some goals again this year, and I'm planning to sort of check in with it monthly and see if I'm making progress. So I think. To to your question about how do we keep a long-term vision in mind, I think we have to be strategic about it. For some people, it means writing it down and checking in with it. I think accountability is a big piece of it. You need to surround yourself with people that care about the same things you do and that are willing to hold you accountable either in a very explicit way or just by their company and presence in in a less explicit way. That can happen as well. But accountability is a big piece of keeping our focus
0: yeah I, I agree with accountability I think that 's a big one for me um, i've recently started asking uh, my dad to meet with me every other month at um, you know he 's one of the elders in the church and is on the senior pastoral staff team that meets weekly and so he 's in the inner workings of the church and um, i 've asked them to meet with me and i grabbed some different like performance review type stuff from other churches. So it's not like, I'm not asking him to like grade me or anything, but it's more, he's, he has these hard questions to ask me every, every other month, basically, and it's, it's like, you know, what are the things you're excited about doing, you know, in the next month or two? What are the things that, you know, what are the new things you're going to start? What are the things you hope to have finished? And then in two months, he's going to check on those things. And he say, so, did you finish this? And if the last time I thought about that was when we talked, then I had to figure something out. Either either God's like grace has moved off of that, and then I need to like, let that go, or I need to delegate it, or hand it off to someone, or... Or I need to open my eyes and say that you know what's what's in the way because that's another question I have is like there's internal and ob- and external obstacles that we run into when we try to live out what God's called us to do. Internal obstacles could be like fear, you know, or lack of passion, or or even just a lack of the resources to do it. External could be people standing against you or things just not going your way. And so that's an accountability thing that I've done in my life that actually has helped. Um, and then but you almost need accountable. To, be, to do those accountability meetings. Like, it's really easy to blow those off. It's like all the stuff that's good for us in life, it's so easy just to not do. And, uh, but they, every time I get done that meeting, I feel full of life and energy and a renewal of passion for the things that God's pointing me towards. And I think you can do that at any age and you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, make it part of your job. You can make it part of your life, you know? Um, okay, we need to end. Closing thoughts?
1: I just wanted to say one really practical thing. Okay. Um, And I think Nathan is right on. Um, And one of the ways to actually do this is literally put it in your calendar. Like, I have recurring appointments for praying for people. I have Mm -hmm. recurring appointments for going and doing ministry opportunities, for reminding me that, hey, someone needs help. You know, if you're prone to forget things or if you have a lot of things going on in your life, I mean, I— I know that this is kind of like really straightforward, but you're asking for practical things. Literally put yeah. it in the calendar and force yourself to remember.
0: Jordan, you told me that one time and I do it now. Seriously, the, if you put it in the calendar, this is what I'm talking about. I think a lot of times where it's so out there and it's like, okay, so an example from, from you and me, like we sat down at lunch and you talked about this idea you and Candace had about a practical needs ministry team. And so, oh yeah, it's a great idea. Oh, we'd love to have one of those. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then it just is there. It's like an idea set out into the stratosphere, and it just floats there. And, and that's what I'm talking about. That's like the seeds. How many seeds have been thrown out into your life that then are just like, yeah, I remember that a year later. You know what? We should really have a practical needs ministry team. And so instead, you know, Jordan, you know, put some stuff on your calendar. Like there was steps that you had to take, a bunch of steps. There were meetings. There were people to talk to. There was budget stuff to work on. I mean, and now it exists, and, you know, there's still steps. It's not over. You can't. You can't walk away from it either. Yet it's. It's. You're involved, and you can't. You better not. Um, but that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And I remember. I don't know when it was, but I remember you saying that to me because I was probably griping about like having all these ideas and not getting them done. And so I have started to do that. Surely you were griping. Surely that's normal about something. And uh, you know what I'll do is like put that on the calendar at some point, and then you work backwards. I mean, it's so. It's, this isn't like a super spiritual part of the teaching, but. It's like, okay, well then if I'm going to have that done by then, I've got to have this done by then. I mean, I think about sometimes the things God calls us to like a ladder, and he often gives us the last rung, and I have to fill in all the rungs to get me there. And, and it helps me because I'm a, like an outline type guy to write out all those steps like an outline and, then, and follow them. <laughs> Closing thought? <laughs> all right. Um, I asked you guys uh, specifically because I feel like both of you somehow With having families and jobs, you get a lot done in your job life, in your family life, and you get a lot done in the kingdom of God. And um, I respect you both. And so I really uh, appreciate you guys sharing with us. And let's give them a round of applause. So let's pray to bless the food. And then remember, it's $5 a person, $10 for um, a family. And any money we raise over the cost of the food is going to go to the Otter's Plunge. So really quickly, so I think be if, if you eat if you comfortable when you're eating, to maybe share some of the things that God yeah. has told you about priorities, things that you're pursuing. Cool. So we can respond while we're eating together, what God's doing and what he's saying. If you feel comfortable. Yeah. Okay. And and if there like if we could let some of the teenagers if the teenagers are planning on eating, if we could let them sort of get to the front of the line because they need to be sorry. Not that they wouldn't already do that. But they need to be down there in 15 minutes. We kind of went a little, a little longer than we normally do. So Father, bless the food and bless our conversation about our goals and dreams and visions that God's given us. Bless the, the fellowship around the tables. Let us sharpen each other in Jesus' name. Amen.